Hello, this is Tim Convoy, the pastor of New Life Community Church located in Nashville, Indiana. I'd like to thank you for visiting our podcast, and I trust that God will just bless you and encourage you and speak to your heart as you listen to this message. Thank you again for joining us, and God bless you. Man, we love to see that stuff, don't we? We love to see someone fail at something. There is this culture phenomenon that has been going on for a long time. It started with America's Funniest Videos. You guys remember that show? Couldn't wait to see it because it was all about watching someone uh, struggle with something or fail in an area. Um, maybe they got a you know a, a cake in the face or broke the pool or something. But uh, I wanted to share that video just because I think it's hilarious. That that poor bear could not stand on the ice to save his life, especially at the end when he just face plants. Boom. And um, I, I love that stuff, but you know that 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 phenomenon of watching someone fail. There is a term. There is a word for it. Uh, it's called um, it's called Schadenfreude. Many of you have heard this word. I can tell the looks on your face lets me know that you have definitely used this word often. But the Germans know this term very well, and um, it translates as harm joy. Literally. Someone else's harm brings you joy. And the, the way it uh, is defined is pleasure derived by someone from another person's misfortune. Right? It's that feeling of joy we get when we are driving and someone uh, cuts you off or goes flying beside you. And then a few minutes later, you see him pulled over by the cop. You're like, yeah, justice. That's what I'm talking about. Right. Or, or there's those moments where something happens and you're like, where, where are the people to put a stop to that stuff right there? And so we bring, or we have this uh, joy in that. And, um, in fact is the science behind it, the study, uh, there was a study within, uh, the, the German soccer fans, right? And what it was, they set it up for them to watch, um, videos of the Dutch national team miss uh, goals or penalty kicks. And so what they, they had them watch those videos, and then they had them watch videos of the German team, soccer team, make penalty goals. And they said they found that because of the this huge rivalry between the Dutch and the German soccer teams, uh, that they, they uh, found that the Germans actually would smile bigger. They found much more pleasure when the Dutch would miss a goal versus when the Germans would make a goal. Because that's kind of how we operate, right? Like they failed. And uh, I mean, when we when someone succeeds and we want them to, that's good. But man, to see someone miss something when there's this fierce rivalry between you. Um, and so the schadenfreude, we're going to spend a little time. You know, um, a f- couple months back, uh, I kind of started this series and uh, it was about phantom discouragement. If you remember that word that I use, phantom discouragement, about how um, we become offended or disappointed in something uh, that someone did not mean. It, it wasn't that they were trying to come against us. It wasn't like they were speaking against us. We, we, we allowed to be discouraged because of our own things that go on in our life or past hurts or past things that have happened. And so we're going to unpack phantom discouragement just a little bit more. And um, it, in the whole schadenfreude, they said it was really tied to self-esteem, right? Because what happens is, is we feel lifted up 
in comparison, comparison, comparing ourselves to other people, right? Because we, we know that sometimes we fail or sometimes we goof things up. Sometimes we can't stand on the ice. And so it's kind of nice to see someone else struggle with that. And really what it is, these fail videos, um, they show vulnerable people who don't have it together. Sometimes we need that. Sometimes we need to know that someone else doesn't have it all together because we know ourselves we don't have it all together. And it makes it feel better about that lots of times. And so this schadenfreude, um, I wish there was a, like an English term. You could not walk around saying harm joy. You would just sound, um, uh, that would not sound right. Uh, but, you know, it's funny that to, I was talking to a lady from Germany, and she, I mean, as soon as I said the word, she was like, oh, yeah. So she understood exactly what it was, and she's like, yeah, we, that's just a cultural thing for us. We, we, we know exactly what that is. But it is for us as well because um, this phenomenon, there's social media, between social media and cell phones, you know there's cameras everywhere, right? And they capture everything. I was uh, seeing a thing, I was watching a video yesterday about this gentleman uh, in, um, I, I believe it's in Boston, I believe, I think it was, it might have been, that was Philadelphia, that's where it was, Philadelphia, right? And he set up a camera outside of his office because there's this one bridge uh, in his in the town that's at 11 foot 8. Most every other bridge in the country is at 15 feet. But this is an old train track that was from over 100 years old, and it was going to cost too much for the city to um, make changes to it, make structural changes and, and either go down further or raise the tracks up. And so they put this bar up, and they have all these signs up that says, you know, be aware, be aware. And he has trucks that hit it all the time, and they and it, like, rips the top off of the trucks, right? Or rips the uh, campers. It'll rip the air conditioners off the... And he'll go out and get the pieces. He has a website. It's called, like, 11foot8.com or something like that. And he sells all these broken pieces. People love to buy this stuff from these damaged uh, trucks and damaged trailers and things like that. And so there's, you know, we just have this real phenomenon that we like to see stuff like that happen. And, you know, when it comes to not having everything together, we're going to jump into Luke uh, 15 today. You know, we always talk about the prodigal son. But I want to talk about his brother. And so we'll pick up in verses 25 so we're in Luke 15, pick up 25. It says, Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because the brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Now, how, how many, I mean, that's, that's a good word, right? I mean, that, that is a good word to know that someone in your family, his brother was, is considered dead and gone. And they didn't know if he would return and he returned. And how often is that how we kind of go against God, right? 
We reject the things of God. We reject God's blessings on others because of an offense, because we've been offended, because we've been hurt, because we have walked through something, because maybe it was like that thing earlier. We follow the rules. We follow the rules, and it seems to be other people don't follow the rules, and they never get caught. And we want to be upset about that. We want to be, we want something to happen to them. We want justice to be served. And the thing about this is that the brother, he, he was physically there, but he wasn't emotionally and spiritually there. Technically, he wasn't even physically there because he refused to go inside. But he was emotionally withdrawn. He was spiritually withdrawn from partying, from celebrating the loss, celebrating his brother. He was rejecting the brother's blessing. And I wonder, as I read this passage, and I'm looking at this, and I think to myself, how often this older brother is a lot like us in how we are dealing with people or how we see things that happen around us. And this is what it is. Something like this happens. Someone else's blessing seems to be better than our blessing. Someone else's circumstance seems to be better than our circumstance. We've been faithful. We've stayed. We've done what we're supposed to do. We've followed the rules. We've done these things, and yet someone else seems to get a blessing that we don't get. And as we reject it, what happens is is that, li- that you're literally waiting for an apology that you'll never get. They're waiting for that, I'm sorry. The father was pleading with him, son, come celebrate. And you know what the brother was wanting? You know what he was, the son, that older son was, he just wanted to hear, you know what, son, I'm so sorry that I haven't honored you. I'm so sorry that I haven't done these. I'm so sorry. For the father, he was just like, look, you've had access to everything, but your brother was dead and gone. Come celebrate. Come in. He's pleading with him. Come celebrate. And yet how often do we look at it from the brother's perspective and say, you, where's my blessing? Where's my thing? Where's my apology? I tell you, too often the church is waiting for an apology from someone that may never happen. And how do we get past that? How do we work past that? How, how do we make that not a thing that holds us back? Because here's the reality. If I could, right now, as, as I look at you all in the eyes, if I could look at you and say, listen, I'm going to represent that person that offended you, that got a blessing that you didn't get, that had something that you didn't get, I'm going to apologize, or I'm going to say I'm sorry for that person. If I could, I would. Any of us would. But the reality is, is because I'm not that person, it wouldn't be true. You would not be able to necessarily receive it. But we've got to figure out a way to receive it. Because you know what? The Father wants people to celebrate when they come alive. The Father wants us to celebrate each other. The Father wants us to celebrate each other's lives. The Father wants us to party with... I, I titled this, It's Time to Party. And some of you are like, whoa, I don't know. But I'm telling you, I, as I'm reading the Word, as I'm going through this, I am convinced that what we're missing as a church is celebrating each other's blessings, celebrating each other's wins, celebrating the things that are happening, celebrating changes. 
we, we don't celebrate changes very often. We don't have the clear thing today. Whoa. We lost the water. <clears throat> you know, uh, drummers, when drummers go to go places to play music, lots of times they take a snare and they take their cymbals. It's kind of like their, it's like their crutch. It's like their safe thing that they have. So across the street, we have this in the youth building and I really like it. And so I said, do you think it'll offend anybody if I use it to, on Sunday? Do you know someone said it might? And I was like, I hope not. The other one will come back as soon as I'm done. I just like this one better. It's, it's just, you know what? You all can't see my papers. You don't know what I have up here. I kind of like that. It's safety in that. But we are holding on to offenses from the past that is ruining our future as a church. I say that from my heart because this, I always see this a lot. I'm watching young people become this, this phenomenon within culture that says, I must see people fail. In fact is how we talk to each other, how we talk to our friends. Sometimes the young, as they are coming up, they are so inundated with uh, being competitive and making other people look bad so that they can themselves look good. And I think that as a church, we need to reverse that. We need to celebrate the things that are going on in a church. Like that what happens, it doesn't matter what age is going on. It doesn't matter. This is one church, one age. Everybody's happening. Everybody's a part of the body. Everybody has something to bring. Everybody has something to offer. Everybody has gifts to bring in the door. And yet we hold on to the things that someone maybe held us back. Maybe someone didn't. Excuse me. Maybe there was a day when you yourself didn't feel very encouraged. And so I would say to you, I would challenge to you, be the person to someone that you needed for you. If you needed encouraged and you didn't get the encouragement, in order to help get let go of the offense, to get past it, start being an encourager to someone. Start speaking life into them. Start speaking praises into them. Start speaking a culture into them that says, you know what? I believe in you. I believe that God has a plan for you because God has a plan for me. And you know, at one point in time, someone offended me and I have walked in that offense and I have not walked in the fullness of what God has called me to walk in. And because you're not walking in a fullness and I'm not walking in a fullness, the church itself is not walking in a fullness. And fullness is to impact a community that draws people home. It draws them from being lost. We see salvation. We see people impacted by community events. Listen, I want to send a little shout out to Allison Waters and the team. If you helped with glass slipper, just slip your hand up at all. That's awesome. You know what? I, I know the gospel was presented. I know that bigger than anything, we loved on about 500 young ladies who took dresses And some would be like, well, you know what? There's nothing spiritual about a dress. You know what? Just loving on a community and accepting them, that's good stuff. And and yet, so I just want to, great job to you guys. I know that some of you had to miss church on Sunday. It's okay. It's good because you were out loving on people. You were serving. My gosh, what a good thing. You know what? You weren't holding on to stuff. So 
If you need encouraged, encourage others. Maybe you needed noticed. Maybe there was a point in time where you did something and no one gave you the praise that you needed. No one said, hey, great job. You felt like you got overlooked. It doesn't have to be church stuff. Maybe it was at work. Maybe it was your job. Maybe it was a promotion. Maybe it was something within that world. And you're like, I really did a great job. I felt like I had something coming and I got nothing. In order to work past that offense, if you needed noticed, begin to notice others. Begin to notice the small things, the little details. How can you encourage them by noticing them? Maybe you needed appreciated. I'm convinced that mothers are greatly unappreciated. See? Like, we're like, yeah, like three people got excited and the rest was like, hmm, I don't know. But I'm telling you, what they give, what they do, like, I am thankful for my wife. What a mother she has been. But you know what? They don't get appreciated very often. Dads, you know, you get once a year, you get the father of the year little plaque and good job and, and, um, but you're the, you're the king of the house. Like, if you want something, you get it. Moms, well, we, that's not really true all the time. So, <laughs> happy wife, happy life. But maybe you needed appreciated. Could you start to appreciate others? Instead of complaining about what someone is doing, what if we got excited about what they were doing? Instead of I mean, the Bible's very clear. Don't murmur and complain. What if we became a group of people that instead of complaining about something, we got excited about what God is doing through people? And we began to appreciate people for their giftings. And maybe you needed lead. Maybe there's a point in time in your life where someone just wasn't leading you. Uh, maybe there was a boss. Maybe there was, um, maybe your dad, maybe your parents. Maybe somewhere along the line, they didn't lead you well. And you're walking in this offense. Where was my leading? Where was this for me? Could you begin to lead others? Could you begin to be the person that leads others well? I wrote this down. Don't live another day stifled by the poison of offense. Choose to encourage, highlight, and appreciate. I'm convinced as a culture we have got to start doing that. And culture, I mean as a church body. Jesus made it so simple. Love God, love people. And yet, we really struggle to love people. We struggle sometimes. I'm just being honest about myself, right? Conditionally, unconditional love towards someone. And yet, when you see something's going on and you're like, you don't, you don't deserve that. I deserve that. And yet they got it. So why, why would we not encourage them? Why would we not lift them up? I had this dream. Uh, I was prepping for this message. I had a dream and you see a picture here. So in my dream, I was jumping hills. I know it's Fortnite. Some of you have no clue what this game is, but for me, my, my visual was what I, I there's a video game that we play with the young guys and, and, um, and so in it, I could see that I was jumping over, 
um, mountains like this. It wasn't mountains like Colorado mountains. It was just like these kind of mountains, right? And so, um, and then I was also jumping over the mountains, but I was jumping over buildings. I think the next one, yes, they, they kind of looked like that, except for um, the difference was they were more like all glass. So you could see like the next, like kind of like that. But they weren't very tall. They weren't skyscrapers. It wasn't a crazy dream. It was just a little crazy. And I was jumping over these because here's what needed to happen. I was trying to get to different places. There was ministry needs and there was things going on. And I didn't want to have to deal with traffic. I didn't want to have to deal with red lights and people getting in my way. I needed to get somewhere. And so I would just leap and I would jump over the mountains or I would jump over the building. The first time I'm going, I'm jumping over and I see, so like these were all dark um, all, you can go back to that one. And all, so these were all dark except for like one window. And I could see someone holding a sign. And I was like, well, that's weird. But I didn't pay any attention to it. And then the second time, I, there a little bit later, I was going jumping over again. And I could see the sign. And it wasn't a very encouraging sign. And I was like, wow, that's, that's pretty rough. Here I am trying to do things. I'm just trying to help people. And this person is really not giving me a lot of encouragement in their sign. And the third time I jumped over, I could see, not only could I read the sign very visibly, but I also could see that it was a witch. Right? And the sign said this, you suck. That's it. And I, and the third time when I saw the sign, I could tell it was a witch. I could tell it was the enemy coming against me. I woke up immediately and I began to just write stuff down. And I, and what the Lord was just saying to me was, this is how the enemy works through people, right? You're doing something. You're taking a risk. You've taken, you said, you know what? This year I want to get through the Bible. Or this year I want to do this. Or this year you've kind of made these statements. You've made this, I'm going to do this. I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to let God use me in this format. And you begin to take these risks. You begin to kind of jump out in this realm. And then all of a sudden you miss one day. Or you don't follow through with something. Or you kind of fail in an area. And the enemy goes, see, you couldn't make it. See, you couldn't make it. And then what? what is even worse is that the enemy is in your head saying that stuff, and then you got people around you, right? Telling you that you're not going to complete it. You're not going to make it. You're not going to be, you know what? God's really not wanting to use you. Why do you even try? The enemy comes at you and comes at you and comes at you, and he wants to wants you to stay offended. He wants you to walk in offense. He wants you to be mad at someone because they said something to you that was less than encouraging. They were holding a sign up for you saying, you're not great. And yet I, I wrote this down because, man, um, I wrote it down like this. We need encouraged, loved on, welcomed, cherished, celebrated, lifted up, and then sent back out with a reminder that you have a sign for the devil. The cross, and it says you lose. That's the sign that we're supposed to hold on to. You are a child of God. You are a work in progress. Progress means you are gaining ground on walking in the fullness of God's calling in your life. Go do something this week to show the devil his sign. Don't worry about what someone said. Don't worry about the enemy doesn't want you to succeed. Don't worry about that there's probably cameras somewhere that's going to take a video of you doing something silly and goofy. 
It's okay. Sometimes people need to see you being a little silly and goofy for Jesus. I was sharing with the worship team this morning that, you know, uh, we have this thing, this concept. We walk into church and we say, I'm free. I'm free indeed. Jesus set me free. But I sense that sometimes we're afraid of our freedom. That conformity is easier, right? Come in the doors. We do things as we always have done. This is what's comfortable. A, B, C, D. And yet true freedom, as the Holy Spirit leads you, you go different ways and you go do different things and things look different and they feel different and you feel uncomfortable and you feel like you're uh, out of the box a little bit and you're like, I don't know, but I just want to be used by God. And so my question to you is, is are you afraid to be free? Because if we're going to hold on to offenses, if we're going to hold on to the things that have happened, if we're going to be afraid to use, be used by God in crazy, crazy ways, then what was the purpose of the cross? What was the purpose of the cross? Go do something this week to show the devil his side. I know I said that. I want you to hear it again. I love thinking about him having a sign that says you lose. You know what? I was thinking about the building and I thought, you know, I want to, the, when I see the witch with that sign telling me, I want to have a sign next to him going, you lose. We know what happens to you. You can throw all the signs you want at me. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The cross set me free. I was thinking about this whole process. I was thinking about the walking out of the valley or storms. You know, we've had these things happen to us in the past. We've had the enemy come against us. We've had resistance. We've had these moments where we just feel like life is just coming against us. We're like, man, I just need to get out of the storm. I need to get out of this valley. The crazy thing, if you've ever walked through the woods, right, in valleys, and you're, it doesn't matter if you're going up or down, it doesn't matter. But as you're walking through, do you know that sometimes you pick up those little briars or you get those little things on your pants? You don't even know they're there, right? Like a little bit later, you're going to do laundry, and you're like, what the heck? What's all this stuff on my... Or maybe you walked past um, uh, a thing, a little, little briar catches you, and you're like, I'm bleeding. I didn't even realize I was bleeding. I didn't even notice it. I was trying to get around. I was just trying to walk. I was just thankful to get out of the valley. I was just thankful to get out of the thicket. And you know, sometimes we forget to check. What did we pick up on the way? Right? A tick. Tick fell out of the tree on you. And you're like, hey, we need a tick check. We need a sticker bush check. We need all these kind of checks because I got stuff going on. I'm bleeding. I'm feeling. And how often do we forget to check? We overlook physical, emotional, spiritual things that we pick up and they need to be dealt with. We can't act like it's not there. We can't act like it didn't happen. We've got to work on not being offended. We need to work on celebrating other people. The side effect of offense is this. It'll cause you to live a life where you avoid doing anything that could lead to being offended. That's, like, that's crazy, isn't it? Well, that one time someone said something, they weren't very encouraging, so I'll never do that again. I will not put myself in that situation. I will not be vulnerable again. And we cut off the ability for God to use us in areas that he wants to use us. Because we let offense guide where we're going. 
was thinking about Peter. I was thinking about Peter and um, how he was took a leap of faith to walk out of the boat. Could you imagine the mental and spiritual battles that he was going through? They're going to make fun of me. I'm going to walk out on the water and they're all going to start making fun of me. What if I fail? What if it doesn't work? What if I drown? What if I sink a little? What about all this? Don't we do the same thing when we're approaching situations? And we begin to think of all of the reasons why we'll fail, all the reasons why someone hurt us in the past, why all the reasons someone said something against us, they spoke against us, and we're like, I can't do it, I can't do it. Imagine how Peter felt at that moment. I think sometimes when we read that passage, it's like it's amazing. But yeah, I mean, he was walking with Jesus. It had to be easy. Okay, we have a problem here with this water. I'll just leave it down there. How hard could it have been for him the curiosity of who he could be and what he could do with Jesus broke the barriers that offense and fear puts up in front of us. He stepped out of comfort and he stepped into the unknown. I'm convinced as a church, when we hold on to offense, individually and corporately, when we're holding on to offenses, we cannot step into the unknown. And that's scary. God is wanting to use us in the unknowns. We look at this story and we're like, well, he almost drowned. But thank goodness Jesus saved him. I mean, that was a good, good thing, right? And we can say, well, he had doubts. He lost focus. Shame on him. Don't we have doubts? Don't we lose focus? Here's the crazy thing. Did anybody measure how many feet he walked? No. We forget that that's the most important important part of the story. He actually took steps. He actually went, said, I'll go for it. We get focused on the failure part of it, why he didn't succeed. And yet we forget to say, thank goodness, he just took a few steps. I don't know, maybe he went 20 feet. And then the next important part of the story, this is the greatest thing. I love this. He walked back through the storm with Jesus. How often do we need to take steps of faith and allow Jesus to walk back through the storm with us? Right? We need to do that. We need to allow that to happen. We need to know. You guys need to know. We all need to know that you can count on Jesus to walk through the storm with you, no matter how bad, no matter how offended you are. I'm telling you, Jesus wants to walk to the boat with you. I wrote down, he's a true best friend. I've got some great friends. But you know, sometimes they cannot be the most encouraging people. I'm just being honest, because I sometimes am not the most encouraging person. You wake up, you're having kind of a bad day. Right? I mean, how many got excited about losing an hour today? I mean, I was good. I mean, I'm, I'm like, I'm tired. Everybody's tired, but we get to come together. We get to come fellowship together at church and encourage each other and get the week started out right. So I was excited. I'm like, you know what? I don't care what they think about the, I mean, my cat was all confused this morning. It's like, I don't, why are you up so early? What's going on? 
what the heck's, you know, I mean, the animals have no clue. They just get, like Don said, dogs just, they need to go out. Doesn't matter what time it is. But goodness, we got to get up and, and um, man, Jesus is such a good friend. He's such a good friend. And um, how many of you have ever heard of Brooke Besore? Anybody ever heard of Brooke Besore? This is great little story about David. You see, when we see David, the king, we think about all of the great things that he did, but we forget that there was a 20-year period from the time that he was anointed and called to be the king. It took 20 years before he stepped in, walked in it. And at one point in time, he is still in um, the doing, he's in the, there's a Philistine wars going on and he is still taking land. He still has a price on his head. Saul is still against him, still wants him dead. And yet he is in foreign country taking property. And he happened to be, um, out with his 600 guys and they were, um, uh, they were taking property. They were taking, taking thing, taking land, uh, for the Kings of those countries, right? And his hometown was Ziklag, is where he was. Uh, they were residing at the point in time. And while he was out, while he had 600 men and they were out taking and looting and and uh, claiming property for the kings, the Amalekites came into his town and looted everything and took all the women and children. And what happened was, is they come back into town because what the kings had said, hey, look, you you need to take a break. Uh, you need to take a break from things. Go back to your family. Uh, we appreciate what you've been doing, but you're causing us some headaches with Saul, and so we need to stop. How does that feel sometimes when you're doing great things and, and they're like, that's okay, you can stop now, right? So they go back home to find that their whole town had been looted and the women and children had been taken. And the grief was overwhelming to them. In fact, as the men were so grieved and they were so mad that they began to pick up stones and say, kill David. If it wasn't for him, if he wouldn't taken us away, we wouldn't have left the people, our, our women and our children unprotected, and we wouldn't be in this situation. So how often does that happen when you're out doing things and then people turn against you out of something that was out of your control? Right? Things happen. And it's out of your control. And all of a sudden, people are coming against you. If you wouldn't have done this, if you wouldn't have done that, if you wouldn't have happened, if you wouldn't have said this, if you wouldn't have acted that way, if you wouldn't have made that choice, if, 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 if you wouldn't. And this is David. And so what does he do? He goes and he starts to pray. He gets away, begins to pray. And then he encourages, he says, no, wait, 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 wait. You can kill me if you want. But the Lord has said for us to pursue them. Well, you lay your rocks down, and they do. They lay their rocks down, and they say, okay, let's go. And then, could you imagine the grief that they're feeling, and then they have no clue where the Amalekites are? No clue. They're just trusting. And they come to the brook Besor, and here's what happens. Grief has overwhelmed them, and 200 of them go, I can't go any further. How often do we see someone who is in grief and we're like, get yourself together. Keep going. You got to keep moving forward. Do you know that sometimes people need to rest? Sometimes people need a rest. And here's what happened. They rested. We pick it up in 2 Samuel. 
They go on. 200 stay back. Their grief has overwhelmed them. The 400 catch the Amalekites. They get their families back. They get all their loot back. And then they take some loot. And the people that they didn't kill, the ones that they couldn't catch, they ran off. They went and hid. They got, right, restored everything to them. They get back to the brook Besor. And this is where we pick it up. Because he said, share your stuff. Share your stuff with all these men. They're grieving. And they needed the rest and they couldn't. So we pick up verse uh, 22. says, But all the evil men and troublemakers among David's followers said, Because they did not go with us, we will not share with them the plunder we recovered. However, each man may take his wife and children and go. That was big of them. That was nice of them. Take your family, but you're not getting the goods. David replied, No, my brothers, you must not do that with the, with what the Lord has given us. He has protected us and delivered into the hands of the raiding party that come against us. Who will listen to what you say? The share of the men, of the man who stayed with the supplies is to be the same as that of him who went down to the battle. All will share alike. What I love about this is they came back and partied with the people. They celebrated what God was doing. And I love what David, here these men are against him. And David says, no, no, I told him to stay with the supplies. They're just following orders. They just did what they were supposed to. How many times you you need God to protect you in that way? Someone's coming against you. They're, they're saying that you did this or you didn't do this. And you need God. You allow God to protect you. Allow God to defend you and say, no, no, I, I have them doing exactly what I want them to do right now. They're resting. The church should be a place that those who are resting get celebrated as much as those who are doing the battles and the work. We should be a place that celebrates what God is doing in each other's lives. Some will fight and some will rest. This should be a safe place for that. We sang a song. The worship team can come up. You guys could stand. We sang a song right before I came up, and it was called Yes, I Will. You can stand up. My question to you this morning is, will you choose to let offenses go? Will you choose? Are you willing to begin to celebrate what God's doing in people's lives? Will you be willing to begin to look at people differently and say, I want to figure out a way to celebrate you. I'm going to figure out a way to connect with you. I'm going to encourage you. I'm, I'm going to notice you. Will you accept that challenge? Because I believe that that's what God's calling us to do, is to be Christ followers who not only say it with our lips, but it comes out in action as well. What would happen if the church truly loved people enough, well enough, that they felt so welcome, they felt so appreciated, they felt so celebrated, that when they came in the doors weary and tired and frustrated, that when they left, they felt encouraged and uplifted and ready to go back into the fight. That's what we're called to do. So we're going we're gonna to go back into this, yes, I will. You know, the altar is always open. It's a safe place. It's a place 
where you can lay things down. If you feel comfortable coming up here, please do. Maybe where you are, you want to kneel. Maybe you have a group of people around you. Maybe you need them to pray with you. Maybe just tap them on the shoulder and say, I need, I need some prayer right now. I'm facing some tough things. Ministry teams will, will come be up here. You can come up and let the ministry teams pray with you. But I think sometimes who we're doing life with, people we're comfortable with, sometimes we need them to just simply lay hands on us and pray for us and encourage us. So I would encourage you to do that. But if you want to come forward, please do that. But connect with what God is doing for you. Connect what God is calling you to. Connect with what God's greatness is. Man, he's calling you to great things. Can you say, yes, I will, no matter what's going on around me? I count on one thing. The same God that never fails.